thank you for tuning into Holistic Finance, where we promote financial balance and financial health. Our mission is to simplify your finances so you can focus on your practice and enjoy life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burklow and Alex Collins. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, staring at me, Alex Collins. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Good, good. Uh, For those of you who are new uh, to listening to the podcast, uh, this is a podcast all about talking about finances and how to help you build your practice efficiently. Um, And this is for naturopaths. And so if you're a naturopath, you found the right podcast. (laughs) If you're not, you you may get some value, but it's not going to be directed towards you. That's for sure. Um, The... We constantly are wanting to make sure we're bringing value to to the community around the the naturopathic community. And this just because different experiences that Alex and I have personally had um, inside of that, your profession. And we are a firm believer in what you're doing. And we thank you so very much for all of that. Um, Because of that, this is why we have the podcast, because we know financially you have to be stable and you have to be growing to be able to help the patients that you want to help. And so make sure you check us out at holistic-finance.com. And there's more information there as well as other podcasts, uh, as well as a way to reach out to us um, if you have any suggestions for the podcast. We're always open for that. Uh, For those of you who are returning, thanks for returning. So appreciate that. Um, You'll know that from the last podcast, we were talking about uh, a holistic approach and balance around your asset classes in the accumulation phase of our practices. Now we're going to transition to, okay, when we quote unquote need to retire or exit our practice, how do we do that? How do we then create the income from the sale of our practice? Yeah, it, uh, it's a challenging topic for sure, Ryan. And so there's a lot there. And uh, I don't know about you, Alex, but every time I'm talking to really any business owner, right, you talk, you come up and you talk about any kind of exit transition or strategy. And it's a common theme of uh, give me, you know, come back when, I, you know, in a year or so, because I'm about, you know, seven to 10 years away. And that happens almost every year we come back to them. Yep. Uh, inevitably a year, two years, three years down the road. Oh, yeah, I'm seven to 10 years away. It's always seven to ten years away. So, yeah. and it's, it's impossible it's always, to predict. It's always the same time frame. Sometimes it's five to seven years. Sometimes it's seven yeah. to ten. It's impossible to predict the future. There's no doubt about that. However, having certain things in place allows that transition to be definitely smoother. Absolutely. And the more that we can think about this and talk about it and explore the options of okay, what are the possibilities? And then figuring out which one is appropriate and, and responsible for, for your stance and, and your situation, the, the better off we're going to be all the way around. So in this one, we're going to focus, and we've had a podcast on this before. We've you know had a conversation between lifestyle and enterprise practice. This podcast is going to be for the enterprise practice where you have a saleable practice to someone else. And so let's, let's go through. The, there's really three different sales that occur when we exit our, our practice, right? We have, the, the first one is sell to insiders. So selling to someone that you know, typically inside of your practice. <laughs> yeah, uh, someone who's inside the practice, it could be uh, you know someone who 
uh, you've brought along. It could be to an existing business partner. Uh, there's a couple different ways in which this this insider uh, typically winds up working out. Um, and there's there's some different facets uh, that we'll dig into here in a in a few minutes. The the second is the possibility of selling to an outsider. You know, again, typically it's going to be a, a, a naturopath, but you know, someone who is not currently involved in the practice uh, might be somebody that you know, might be somebody that you don't know, um, but uh, somebody who is not currently affiliated with the practice. And then the last one is you keep ownership and you're actually able to derive some income uh, from the practice and maybe you're slowly transitioning out while still taking an income or maybe you're completely not involved in the practice uh, and you still get some side income and so um, those are the three that are generally what we see out there um, and these are normally the the choices Right there, we always say there's exit, there's exit strategies, ones by choice, and sometimes you're just you're pushed out because of health concerns or something else that arises, or you you have to to leave the practice. So what we're talking about is more around when you have the choice. Right, and then there's there is the fourth uh, fourth option that really nobody wants to take, which is just kind of closing the doors and selling the assets of the of the practice and um, just shuttering it. Now the reason why people don't like that is because it doesn't provide value. You know, you're, you're, that is the least, the least economically viable. It also leaves your employees and your patients and your clients hanging. Um, it, it's not really the option that anybody intentionally chooses. It's, it's more of a, a default option. So let's dive into the pros and cons of each one of these, Alex. Um, so we're going to start with the sell to insider, which is definitely one of the a more popular one that's out there. Um, and this, in an ideal situation, this might be uh, the best approach because most naturopaths that we've sat down with, they want to make sure their patients are taken care of. They want to make sure that the the plan, the strategy, the approach, the philosophy that they had in that practice continues on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it, it's something where the challenges that we typically see in in this are finding the right person. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's something where you may go through two, three, four, six, ten 10 people before you find the right person for who you can, who has the, a similar philosophy, who has the, the drive and the desire to own their own practice. Um, you know, I, I, for, I can tell you for, from experience, like I tried to find, three or four business partners for for myself prior to prior to you and i hitting it off so well and and you know becoming partners and having uh thrived here over the last uh four or five years together um but there were definitely multiple attempts that i had before in terms of trying to partner in my own practice um it, it takes time and it takes the it takes a bit of serendipity yeah um You've got to have that the yin yang to, to the relationship, and you've got to have almost same drive might be the wrong terminology, but the same philosophy and what you're trying to build, and that can be difficult because, and what we mean by philosophy isn't you know most naturopaths have the same type of philosophy in terms of you know taking a holistic approach. It's not that. It's more of the philosophy and what you're building inside of the practice. Absolutely. Um, well, and then also just being able to communicate and having having that good working relationship. There's 
it, you know, the yin yang example that you gave is a really good one um, because you can't be too similar. Otherwise you're just going to fight over control of the, of the practice. Um, and at the same time, you can't be too dissimilar because you then lose that common vision that you're trying to accomplish and what you're trying to build. Um, and well, this may be the, the wrong reference for, for this crowd. Uh, a big shout out and a big thank you to uh, to Hal Morris goes out right here. <laughs> uh, so we got to tell the story because for the new listeners, they're not <laughs> meeting for the current listeners. Uh, so real quick, quick trail here. Uh, Alex and I were at a conference one year and we were not partners at this time. We were just part of the, the same uh, financial firm. And uh, we started talking about baseball and uh, obviously I'm a little bit arrogant when it comes to my sports knowledge. And uh, so is Alex. And so I, I quizzed him one time and said, Hey, who was the 1990 Cincinnati Reds first baseman? And he actually answered with Hal Morris. And like, unless you're a diehard Reds fan, like no one really remembers Hal Morris, I don't think. Or if you're a diehard baseball fan, you might remember Hal Morris. But that's where that all came about. And baseball became the topic, which obviously inevitably led to uh, quantified being formed. So thank you, Hal Morris. Maybe we'll have you on the podcast one day. <laughs> that, would, that would be amazing. Um, so let, so let's, let's come back to the, the conversation here. So having the right person, that's difficult, right? Finding that person is difficult. And even if you find the right person, oftentimes they don't have money. So how are they going to buy you out? Well, almost by definition, if they're an insider, they they don't have money. Um, you know, the the one or two ex, ex, exempt ugh, exceptions to that might be if they're already an existing partner, um, they may have some amount of money. But uh, inevitably, it, it's a matter of trying to figure out, okay, how in the heck do we fund this? Um, and how in the heck do we how do we create this this transaction where we've got the right person, but most of the time they don't have the dollars to be able to just write a check and um, have you walk out the door. Um, and so it, it takes a lot of work to try and craft the proper planning to to make sure that we're we're doing the things that we need to do to cultivate cultivate that relationship over that that mythical five to seven or seven to ten year time frame, right? That we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why why we constantly get that answer is because business owners really understand that it takes time in order to cultivate that relationship and start the transition. Um, and it, it takes time to be able to to get to the point where you, you transition the ownership um, that that's not typically uh, an overnight type transaction. So when they don't have the money, that means you have to come up with transition plans and funding of it. And mm -hmm. so when you do that, oftentimes you can actually create a double taxation without even thinking, without even knowing it. Well, exactly. We're going to have a whole nother before, uh, like this is a much deeper conversation that we're not going to get into in this podcast. This will probably be the next podcast that we release going into this exact uh, funding mechanism, but high level, Alex, why don't we talk about what we mean by how do you create a double taxation when you're selling it to an insider? Sure. Uh, and depending upon structure, you might even create a, a third, third level or fourth level of, of taxation. So the first thing that we're dealing with is you've got a level of tax. The first level is for the existing business owner. 
Um, and so, okay, if if I let, let's just use us as the example here. If I'm the existing business owner and I've identified you as the person who's going to be buying the practice, okay. If if to a certain extent I'm going to be funding this um, it, directly or indirectly, there's a level of taxation on me. Then as I transfer the money to you, there's now a level of taxation on you. Yep. Now, the third level of taxation would be if we have a C-Corp, uh, which is a type of corporation. It's one of the potential ways in which the, the uh, a tax entity, the corporation may wind up having some level of taxation. And then the fourth level of taxation would be if there's uh, a capital gains or, or uh, an, a, a taxable component on the, the sale of the, the entity itself. Um, so we have taxation for me, taxation for you, taxation at the corporate level, and then also the possibility for for capital gains. Um, as much as humanly possible, we, we're going to want to try and structure that as capital gains uh, because that's one of the most favorable structures. Yep. But uh, and we'll we'll get into the details like you talked about uh, in our next episode. But there can be a heavy amount of taxation on on this type of a transfer. So we're kind of, uh, I'm going to end it on um, the Insider. Uh, I'm going to end it on a, uh, a segue here of, for the, at least a promotion for the next one is sometimes you want to have to sell your practice to the insider with the lowest defensible value, which sounds crazy if you think about it, because normally you want to sell your practice for the highest value. Well, if you take out taxes and everything, you can see how you're going to net possibly a much lower number. And so there are strategies that employ sometimes a lower defensible value that allows your take home to actually be higher. And so we're going to get into that in our next episode. But it's just something to think about. Right. So this, we just went through several pros and cons and sub, on Sutta Insider. Right. <laughs> Having the right person. Taxation. Smoothness of the transition, because that, that's a huge pro. If, if, you know, in our example, if I'm buying it from you and I'm the insider, I understand what's going on. I've even met a lot of the patients. It's easier transition and everything goes smoothly. So that's a huge, huge pro. Well, we also have a, a good working relationship or at least a functional working relationship at this point. And, and we know that there's, there's already an existing uh, give and take between the two of us uh, as far as a functional rela business relationship. Yep. So let's let's move on to sell to outsider. And, you know, the sell to outsider, for the most part, and I'm sure Alex is going to go into more details than this, because I'm going to oversimplify it, is it's, it's really a transaction, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm out on the street, and I run into Alex, and I want to buy his practice, I propose what I think his practice is worth, worse, worth, if I could speak correctly, he then accepts and says, okay, great, let's drum up the paperwork, and it's sold. Yeah, it. Uh, the reality is it, it winds up being a lot more complicated than that in terms of the details of uh, like, okay, how do we get to the point of being comfortable divulging, uh, you know, confidential information, not right. patient information, but information around the finances of the business, uh, who all is involved in the transaction, how do we actually negotiate this? What are the things we need to do? I's that we need to dot and T's to cross uh, because it's much better if we dot the I's and cross the T's as opposed to the other way around. 
but just making sure that we we get all the the details figured out. Um, but as Ryan said, it, it it is relatively a straightforward uh, transaction of like, okay, if I'm if I'm the outsider and Ryan's the insider, I know Ryan wants to sell the practice. You know, we don't have to worry about uh, some of the things we do with selling to the insider. Um, typically, the the outsider has money. Typically, the outsider um, like it's less of a worry about the right person. Um, although that's usually just part of the conversation and part of the okay, hey, is this going to be a good fit? Um, and there's there's less worry and less concern around the the double taxation and and trying to find the lowest defensible value. Yeah, and it and it gives you know if we're comparing practices here, if I if I'm a current practicing naturopath and you're a naturopath and I'm trying to buy your practice. I'm not going to buy your practice if I know that it doesn't mesh well with my current practice or how I currently operate, right? So there is a semblance of that's naturally going to happen. You're naturally going to do that. Now, I'm going to go for the lower valuation. You're going to go for the higher valuation. Thus, that does bring its own um, fun stuff into that transaction. But as long as we're on the same, as long as your practice is similar to mine and there is some sort of transition period, then Oftentimes that can work and it might be simpler than trying to train higher and sell to a current insider. Right. We already know that both of us are, are functional business owners. We don't need to worry about whether or not the, the insider is going to be okay running a business. Um, and so that there's a lot less concern there from, from those standpoints. Um, you know, some of the things that we do typically wind up uh, uh, looking at are things like, okay, is there a buyout over time? Um, the the more that there's a buyout over time, the more risk there is for the existing business owner. Um, but that's all just dependent upon how we're structuring the the actual deal itself. Yep. So let's let's move on to the last the last piece here. The selling outsider is it's not straightforward in practice when you're actually selling it, but in terms of understanding why you do it, it's very straightforward. Keeping ownership, um, I think this is straightforward, but it's all, there's a lot of conversation to be had um, inside of this. Um, so this is an example of, um, you know, let's just say that uh, Alex and I are partners and I'll, I want to, you know, transition out, but I'm going to take a certain income while in retirement. That was the negotiated transition or exit strategy that we had. And Alex is going to stay and 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 keep running it, right? The pro of this is is well, Alex and I have worked together. I have built some sort of trust with him, and so from that aspect, it's going to be an easier transition because he knows how everything operates. On the on the flip side, <laughs> if Alex starts to do bad, and my income goes lower because of it, or he has to pick up the phone and say, "Hey, I know I promised you fifty grand a year." but I can't do 50 grand a year because my sales are only X. So I can only do 25. Now I'm upset because I got used to 50. Right. So is that going to then make me want to come back into the practice to fix things or, or whatever that, that situation is. So there's a big pro and there's a big con in that situation. Well, and uh, that's almost what you just described there, Ryan is almost more part of the sell to, to insider. Fair. When you, when when you keep the ownership, the 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 issue winds up being okay. Um, how do you maintain oversight and view over 
the books, the day-to-day operations if you're not involved in it. The, the negative for, for myself, the person who in, in our hypothetical here is running the practice without ownership. Like, okay, at, at what point, like, at what point do, do I start demanding uh, more raise, you know, higher pay, higher comp? Um, like, do I start trying to negotiate a part of the, like turning it into a, an insider sale where like I'm doing all the work and I'm not receiving the rewards of ownership. Um, and so it, it has to be the right balance. And oftentimes this keep to ownership winds up happening when we're dealing with, with family members, because a lot of those dynamics wind up being easier. And it's something where like myself as the, in this example that I've just modified now I'm say Ryan's son or a nephew or something of that nature. (laughs) (laughs) Some sort of familiar relationship. Uh, Now at that point, like I, I have some either promise or some sort of assumption that uh, at some point Ryan is going to pass the business on to me. Um, and so there's a reason to go ahead and, and work, you know, and maybe I, it's that I feel uh, some sort of a sense of obligation to Ryan because he brought me along in the practice or because, you know, he helped elevate me quicker than I otherwise would have. That There's a whole bunch of, of potential, uh, you know, issues and relationship components that, that go along with keep the practice. Um, but the biggest one is trying to make sure that, that the person who's now running the practice like what's the incentive that they have to keep running the practice versus say, uh, hey, bye, Ryan, I- I'm going to go open a, a shingle next door. I'm going to go make and, my own, yeah. Right. So now that I now that I know how to run the practice, now that I have all of the relationships with all of the, the patients, I'm going to open as close as I can to here and did, like, openly compete against you. Now you just lost your, you know, top top nd you just lost like there's so much potential there for for there being right. issues um and so there there have to be uh there have to be a certain set of things that we do when we're going to keep the business um and keep the ownership um and we have to there there's a, a huge trust factor with uh um with whomever is going to step into that that leadership role of running the practice on a day-to-day basis yep so, you know, these are just three aspects of exit strategies. And, you know, we've said this prior on prior podcasts, thinking with the end in mind. If you're, th- if, if you're looking at selling to an insider, that kind of continuation of the practice, I hope you're looking for that ND to sell it to and have some sort of strategy to do that. If you're looking to sell it to an outsider, you still have to build your practice in such a way that A, someone wants to buy it, which is quite huge. And then B, obviously, how do you find the person to buy it and then transition that? So there's, there's pieces there. So there's planning to do there and then keeping the ownership, right? There's a bunch of planning to do, to do there. So this doesn't happen. Well, it happens more often than not where it kind of gets thrown together rather quickly in the, like the last year or two, sometimes three, generally closer to one or two years, how much more efficient would it be if you actually had a strategy and planned ahead of time to make that go as smooth as possible? Now, 
if you are you know in your early 40s or late 30s and you still got 20 or 30 years left to practice obviously you know this conversation probably isn't a uh, high priority for you right now because you're still in that building model however if if that thought of selling to the insider is there and that's a really big and you like that then have that in the back of your mind so you can kind of set yourself up for that absolutely I mean, you always need to be looking for that person who's going to be the the insider that you're going to sell to uh, the earlier you're able to identify them, the the more that uh, you can create plans to go ahead and make sure that that person, A, knows that you're thinking of them that way, and B, you're tying some strings to them so that they don't inadvertently leave the practice without understanding what uh, what the opportunity is there. So there's, like, even if you're in your 30s or 40s, um, you know, be thinking about, okay, what is it that we want to do, and then what are the steps that we need to take so that it's way, way, way easier to transition out of the practice and you know maybe it's that we bring them on as a partner you know five ten years down the road and so it, it winds up taking uh the process from a five-year time period to a much longer time period that that has some significant advantages um by spacing that uh, that out over a longer period of time yep so we hope this podcast was valuable for you we hope this is having you think bigger picture holistically foundationally uh into what you're wanting to build and having you have that vision come true um so we always like to end these alex with our uh question of the day and so alex i'm gonna what's what's our question here oh so the the question of the day is is your plan to sell to an insider sell to an outsider or to keep ownership and more importantly why so check us out holistic-finance.com and at the bottom there you can uh, send us your response or send us questions uh, and as always mr collins special shout out and a thank you to hal morris and make it a great day <laughs>